The Convention Collective Sandbox at MCM Comic Con Birmingham 2019.
what is going to be a simple like title, like for tabletop, right? We came up with a list of 20, and then I was like, what about just using the word tabletop? And people are like, oh, that was before everything was just named bread or coffee. You know what I'm saying? That was before. It was like, a, I'm a hipster namer. So, um, but yeah, the guild, it was just, you know, I, I, thinking about how to simplify it for the audience and in a, in a moment they understand it versus like they have to work. If, if, if it's not simple, then it's not going to work. Um, you have to be, under, be able to understand it within seconds of seeing it and understand the vibe. So like the name works and then how did the logo look and the colors and sort of, it's all like feeling. But you've got it spot on. I mean, th another success of, that came from Geek and Sundry is of course Critical Role. Now they, yeah. how did you feel when you saw the success of their recent Kickstarter campaign, which to date has raised over $7.8 million? I mean, I was so blown away. Uh, I had stepped away my, from my company a couple years ago, but um, for me, Twitch streaming is uh, something I've been doing as a hobby for five years. And when I started, I just started because I just wanted to do something for myself because I had been, I had been doing a business for several years and I just felt like I was kind of leaving myself as a creator and my connection with the fans as myself versus a company, which was kind of like a barrier. And so doing streaming of video games, even though it's like I'm just stabbing people for fun, like not real people, guys, but zombies mostly or orcs or whatever. Um, I, I, I found the, communi the community that built up. Uh, any Team Hooman people in the house? Like, there's some people? Yeah, yeah, there's some people here who are like people who participate in my stream just for fun. And the idea that people can be nice to each other and involve themselves in the content, it feels like supportive versus being on YouTube, which is, let's, let's be honest, it's toxic sludge. Like, they should take comments off because they just don't do anything for anybody. And after several years of having a YouTube company and having my self-worth sort of lowered and lowered and lowered because I would have to read the comments as part of my job. Um, going to Twitch where they have the tools to moderate and kind of just kick out jerks was so much fun that I was like, we gotta do this for the company. Yeah. So we, I'm just wandering, God, I've had so much coffee. Um, so for Twitch, we built up a whole, you know, a slate of shows and Critical Role, my friend Ashley Johnson, um, who I know through Joss Whedon, she was like, yeah, I play D&D on the weekends with my friends. And we tried to make like a tabletop type show for them, but we didn't really have the budget to do two shows at that budget level. So when we started Twitch streaming, I'm like, I think this could work live stream because they're so good at what they do. Have, I've never even seen them. I just heard like some snippets she played. I was like, I think they're going to be great. So, you know, the minute we started, like Matt Mercer is just brilliant at what he does. And like, I became such a fan and I knew if I was a fan, then other people could be fans. And then we just put all of our efforts into building them. And the fact that they're on their own now and doing so successful is um, so inspiring to me because, um, you know, being outside the system is what I love. And it must be nice as well to see the positive side of fandom come out to support these creators because th over $3 million in 24 hours, that's staggering. Yeah, that's amazing. But also, if you look at the numbers, um, there, I mean, I think there were like maybe 20,000 people or 30,000, you know, and like, that's not nothing, but in Hollywood terms, they would look at that and be like, meh, for real, because they think in a global scale, and I think that's kind of the problem. The sad thing about independent content sort of being not as prominent now is that big business will look at those numbers and be like, it's not worth investing in those people. But the fact that there's a, a dedicated fandom, I have always thought that's more important to please fewer people, but just please them more. But that's not sort of a Hollywood model, and that's kind of like the problem with independent content versus, you know, working on a bigger scale, so.
I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm so excited for them, and the fact they get to make their show the way they want it is is just great. And it's inspired, must be inspiring for you as well, and because uh, you've just started recently a brand new podcast. Uh, so. I did. I have uh, my own podcast called Felicitations, where I literally talk into a mic 45 minutes. It's kind of a little bit of a therapy by myself. So it, I'm not selling it, but it's fun. <laughs> and then I also have an, um, an improvised science fiction podcast I'm a part of. Um, it's called Voyage to the Stars, and it has Janet Varney, who is Legend of Korra, and like she's in a bunch of television shows, and Colton Dunn, Dunn and Steve Berg from Dr. Horrible. And we're like really bad. We're bad crew members on a spaceship trying to get home to Earth. We just invariably destroy the planets we go to, but it's all by accident, okay? So we're, it's, it's great. And where can people pick that up from at the moment? Anywhere you get a podcast, iTunes or Android, you know, on the Google Play or whatever. Like, it's free. Just, it's free. Download it. It's free. It's free. They're, they're bookmarking it now, you can't see them. But for you, you've been involved in a plethora of TV shows. We've got Magicians that you're currently working on, Supernatural as well, which we saw you come back to this year. Um, what was that like to come back to them uh, after you'd initially thought, hey, there's no more Charlie, and all of a sudden they're like, hey, Spoiler alert, sorry for people. <laughs> it, yeah, so what was that like when they got, you got the call to come back? You're like, how is that going to happen? Or I actually uh, reached out to them, to the showrunner, because I saw all the dead people were coming back, and I was like, I'd love to play Charlie again, and that's how I got back on the show. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was great, though, because... Um, you know, I think Charlie's death initially was very uh, divisive. Um, and, you know, as an actor, I just, I'm, I'm there for the creators to do what they need for the show, but it was very wrenching to me because being a part of that family was so important because during the years I was Charlie, it directly coincided with my uh, forays into business and creating Geek and Sundry, which I love and I'm so grateful I had that experience, but it was very tough for me because that's not a skill set that necessarily is my strongest in like business or mostly dealing with other business people and sort of like all the financial stuff. And um, it was very stressful to deal with and having employees and doing payroll. Like, why would I ever? I was just, ugh, horrible. Um, so going to Supernatural set those four years that I was on the show kind of coincided with my roughest mental years. And so going to the set was like a vacation and like a home for me. And so not being able to go there was very hard for me to deal with. But, you know, two and a half years passed. And it felt like a good opportunity to sort of reintroduce the character. And thank goodness, you know, I mean, I'm sure they would have thought of me anyway. I just, I'm pushy. <laughs> uh, so uh, it was great to come back. And I gave, you know, Apocalypse Charlie is the same character that we knew before, just up until not meeting Sam and Dean and then the apocalypse happening. So I play her the same, but I play her having been a person who has gone through this a, ma a massive trauma mm. and had to lose people close to her and had to become a fighter um, against all odds. So it really is the same character had the other Charlie gone through the same circumstance, right? Yeah, and there was a very touching um, scene when she comes back about when she's explaining um, to, I think it's Sam, she's explaining about how she became that kind of hard-edged Charlie. How was that to film? Because that was quite a tough... Are you spoiling season 14 for people uh, who haven't seen season 14? But that is coming up, but... Um, You're spoiling! I'm not sorry, I will change that question then. Okay. Uh, okay, but Friday we, we learned it's sadly... It's okay, I'm not concerned, but one person will hate you. Okay, well, we're, uh, nah. we won't let them but Friday we heard the news um, that the 15 is the last season. Anybody spoiled now? Anybody crying? Oh no. Oh, I'm so sorry. So you... I was just kidding, but I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's going to be the last season. Um, 
And I actually, I was had insomnia the night before last, and I woke up at 2.30 and I was just awake and I was upset about it. And then I looked on Twitter and I saw that the announcement had gone out. I was like, I was really upset. I couldn't go back to sleep. Um, just because, like, I had suspected as much, you know, it wasn't a complete surprise. Um, but at the same time, when something happens, it's like you're dealing with something that you know the closure is going to happen. Um, so it was emotional. Everyone's outpouring of love and how the show has affected them and my character has affected them uh, on, on social media. It was very touching and it made me sort of sad. But, you know, I think it's great that they have a whole season, 20 episodes, to really give it the send-off it deserves yeah. versus, like, being canceled and, like, okay, we're not coming back. Like, a lot of shows go through that, and I think, especially for a show that's so significant in a genre and just to so many people in this world, I think it's really important that they do it right. So, I'm excited. And because they're going out on their own returns, exactly. it means that they can always come back again because they'll go out with such a large amount of love that there's always potential for it to come back. Yeah, you know, uh, I said this in the panel yesterday that, um, you know, the Guild, my website that I wrote and I created and I shot my garage for six years, um, for the last season, I was sort of dissuaded by to announce that it was the last season for, for some reason, and I was, like, not in a very good headspace then. I was so um, having a nervous breakdown. It was great, guys. Really good chapter of my book. Um, but I took the advice of someone to not tell people before the season was released it was the last not it was the last season because they ha they just give a bad it was a bad example I will always regret it there's a lot there there's very few regrets that I dwell on it's that's one of them that I didn't really tell the fans that this is going to be the last season and so when I announced it with you know one of the last episodes it felt like such a letdown and a betrayal to the show and to me and also then felt like well did you cancel it because nobody would do more. And so it, it just felt not great, mm. even though I had planned it from the beginning, um, and I'm very happy with the way I wrote it. I just wish the fans had known. And so I love the fact that they're treating the friends right and giving them this journey that they know is the end, but it won't be able to live on in everybody's hearts. And speaking of the way the guild ended, would you ever, do you think there's ever any chance you'd return to that world and then do like one more send-off, even if it was a short or something like that? just so that fans could know that and enjoy that journey with I mean, you? it's not my decision, but I'd really, I would really love it if Charlie gets to come back in the last season. I mean, again, they usually call us like two weeks before the episode shoots and it's like, come to Canada. I'm like, well, okay. Um, they, keep, they keep it really secret, uh, unless you're just a series regular or something. So I, I wouldn't know uh, if they were bringing me back and I could, certainly couldn't tell you guys. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm raised in the Joss Whedon verse. I, don't, I keep the secrets. Well, we're going to open it, speaking of seats, we're going to now open it out to the fans. So if you have a question you'd like to ask Felicia, stick your hand up, and I'll come around to you, because I just saw someone's hand go flying up there, literally. So I'll go Second to row. Oh, you guys got a spotlight? How fancy. Yeah, uh, for someone who's a lot voice acting in Fallout New Vegas, do you prefer voice acting or a lot live acting? Do I prefer... What is your accent? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, because there's a, there was a guy from... Uh, what was it? He was a Guffy? A Guffy? North? I forget. It's the North? From the North? I can't understand a word. Where is he? Is he uh, here? Jordy. Is it's it? a Jordy. Yeah. I was like, I don't understand a word you're saying. Are you a Jordy? No. Okay. Apparently he's a local. You're a local? Ooh, I'm sorry. I mean, no, I'm not sorry that you're a local. I'm just sorry for insulting you. What's your question? Oh, voice acting or live acting? I'm sweating now. Um, I prefer live acting just because I feel like I am a better at it than voice acting. Until I got into doing voice acting, I didn't appreciate the skill with which it really requires. It, it, uh, it requires 
a lot more, I mean, your voice is your only actor, so you really have to work on the range, the intonation, like, you have to learn how to act in a completely different way, just like you act differently if you're on a sitcom, like a, a multi-camera sitcom, or like a drama, you know, it's just a different type of acting, and I feel like, um, I excel at the live acting, but I do love voice acting, and I do more and more of it now, because I've been studying it a lot more, and it, getting better to be honest with you thanks for asking sorry i'm so sorry for insulting you so many ways and and for the geordies all right a question right over here from this gentleman what was it like voicing in my little pony what was it like voicing my little pony um so i played pear butter which is such a cute name uh, but if you google her character do not look at all the fan art <laughs> No, for real, it traumatized me too. Um, so uh, I was so privileged to be on that show because I was obsessed with My Little Ponies as a kid. And um, I had all of them. I, my favorite was Applejack's. So the fact that I got to play um, her mom, is, it just blew me away. And so they sent me the track for the song that I sang in that. And I was so intimidated by how good the song was. And the singer, I had a panic attack and I almost said no because I was like, I can't sing as good as well as this woman. But then I got a vocal coach and I was like, I'm gonna sing almost as good. And I, I'm really proud of how I prepared for it because I took it so seriously. I think the woman on the track, whoever it was, I think she's a composer too. Like she still is better than me, but I did my own version of it that made me okay. But I got so paranoid, uh, but it was, it was great. And uh, it, it feels like I, I met a whole new set of fandom in that role. And I'm just so happy to be a part of that. And we have a question right down the front. Uh, as a fellow live streamer, what kind of advice would you give to live streamers out there to really build their LA fan base? For live streamers, like yeah. twi do Twitch streamers and yeah. things like that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Twitch is really awesome. Who here watches Twitch? Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's I do Twitch streaming every Saturday night. If you have nothing else to do, because I'm a mom now, I have no life. So come join me. I stab people for fun. Fake people. Uh, Twitch is awesome. Like, I love it. I loved building a business around it, too. I'm Geek and Sundry at one point was the most successful uh, channel on Twitch. Uh, and that was during the years that I worked there. And I was so proud of that because creating community is something I really feel very important about. If, if the fans don't feel comfortable with, with each other as much as they feel with the people on camera, I don't feel like we're doing our job. And that was super important and not a way that most people approach things. Um, but uh, I think that makes it last more. I guess my advice would be uh, know what's special about what you do and do more of that. Like, uh, and that also goes down to like your point of view on life. Like, and you know, that's your game selection and also the kind of people you want to hang out with. Like you're almost making friends in chat and you know, I'm not an FPS person and the kind of people who play FPS are awesome but it's just not my crowd, you know, or esports or things like that. And it's not the games that I play well. So I need not, just because like Fortnite is super popular, like, yeah, you might find some audience, but you're not gonna find the right audience for you that will be there long-term with you. So you really have to know what you do well, what you really want to say, um, and appeal to the people that you know would appreciate what you do. And that's like with anything you do. Um, also, just don't have a creepy background, because some people have like skulls in the background or look like they're you know, like a, a death dungeon. Like put a light on your face, you know, some basic things really help. Uh, and be consistent with your schedule. That's one thing I can't do. That's why I don't have like per a permanent subscription plan or something because I don't know if I'm going to be in 
Canada one day, or like I, I have to drop out because I have a baby. Like that, I'm not a professional streamer, so I don't. I try to be once a week because that's really the only way you can build audience. But if you want to be a professional, you need to show up on time. Like you wouldn't. If you had a job, you wouldn't just be like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go to the job today, but I'll be there tomorrow maybe, right? Like your job, like treat it like a job. Those are my uh, advices. And we have another question at the front on your right. Where? Oh, hey. Hi. Hi. I, I love you. Sorry. Oh, You're thank amazing. You. No, I like, um, I like more. Hear like, more. Seriously. <laughs> um, uh, just. Thank you so much for coming back and being pushy with Supernatural and being like, bring me back because oh, thank you. I screamed. I mean, I think it was a combination. Yeah. I think they were already <laughs> had in my mind, but I'm just yeah. pushy. I heard a rumor. I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I screamed and like all my flatmates ran into my room and were like, are you okay? And I was like, oh, good. That's great. great. It was great. And um, so um, just what was your favorite scene to like shoot for Supernatural? I mean, I love, there was an episode where Charlie was a LARPer and those were my favorite because I mean, Robbie Thompson, who was the creator who created my character, he, he was the writer who created my character, he had a more, it feels like there was more comedy in some of his episodes, and that's the ones that Charlie came back in, because he was the only person to write my episodes up until the last episode where I died, the first time. Um, so uh, I think that's why the Charlie episodes were a little lighter and a little more broad, and that's why I loved about it. It was more my sensibility anyway. So he gave me so many good lines um, that I got to you know, play with. In the last episode, actually, I can't spoil it. I will spoil it in saying that I'm, uh, I do a lot of scenes with Sam um, that you guys, I guess, will get soon. You'll get all those episodes for this season. And there, I loved playing that version of Charlie in that she'd gone through some stuff and she had a lot of more depth that she needed to mine. She had some depth with her mom, but that, that was old trauma. This was like more new trauma. And it was just so nice to be able to unload that and get to know her character really well in the, these new scenes. So I think you guys are going to enjoy that one. I have a question off to your left. This yeah. Time. Hi. Um, if you were going to write a book, like a fiction book, would you pick a fantasy genre? Would you try and write a romance? What would be your choice? Um, that's a good question. I'm, uh, I'm working on something that's going to come out later this year, but I can't say what it is. It's not fiction, though. That's my next bucket list item. Uh, and it's really, you know, I have a, a, several ideas that I have in mind. The problem is I think fantasy, especially like YA fantasy, is so oversaturated right now that I would really, you really need to think on a bigger level, like what is it, I always like to make things that nobody has seen before. So like you have to, you know, you decide your idea, like be very careful in deciding what idea you're going to put like four or five months or maybe a year of your work life into. And I'd love to talk about how, I mean, I think at the basic core of it, I would always tell a story about an outsider. And I, if I could find a, a genre way to do that, whether it's somebody in this real world or somebody in a fantasy world, like I think no matter what, I would love to write a murder novel, but I know I'm not good at that because I don't really, I'm not strategic at all in my life. Like I'll be like, let's do that one. That's the first one, it's fine. I'm like, no, that's not how you plot a murder novel. So I like reading murder novels. So also things with swords, we'll see. There'll be, there'll, be, there'll be a sword somewhere in there, for sure. Whether they're making out around the sword or the sword. Sorry! <laughs> Next question. Thanks for the back. Uh, hello there. I enjoy tabletop gaming. I'm trying to introduce my girlfriend into tabletop gaming. What game would you say is a good game to sort of bring her into the fold? What game is a good game for you to play with your girlfriend who's not a tabletop gamer? Exactly, yeah. Okay, great. Um, I would say there's a game called Splendor that's very easy to uh, learn, and it's about gems, which is attractive and fun. It's one of my favorites that I've just picked up randomly several years ago, actually. And there's call a game called uh, 
It's called Marrying Mr. Darcy. And it's a card game where basically you fight over marrying the men. And you're, you play all the women in, in Pride of, uh, The Pride of Prejudice. And then you're basically building your character in order to be able to marry the right man at the end. And the most fun I've ever had to play with this is with my brother and a bunch of dudes. Because they're playing guys and like, bitch, you just took my man! I mean, it's just so funny. <laughs> And there's a, like an extension to it where there's like zombies involved, so like it actually gets really fun, and it's just a simple draw game, you know. So everybody can learn how to play it instantly, and it gets really people involved in a way that's really really fun. So those would be my, um, and concept would be my third one, which is like charades with a board, and it's super easy to learn, and it's super super fun. So those would be my top three like newbie suggestions. I may have a question here in the middle. Um, uh. Just before you were saying about Pebble, did they approach you or did you approach them? Like, how did you get the role? For for what? Uh, pear butter. Pear butter. They approached me. So like, I'll I'll give you a secret. I'm terrible at auditions. So the reason I wrote the guild was I was so bad at auditions that I would have panic attacks when I would try to test. You know, and auditioning is just another kind of skill set than uh, acting. You really have to have nerves of steel, which I'm like nerves of butter. So that's why I don't do a lot of hosting, uh, and I'm just, I'll never get a job auditioning, unless it's like very nervous character, and they're like, you're so good, I'm like, that was organic. So the reason I wrote the guild was that I wasn't getting the roles that I wanted, not only because they really weren't there, there were no like geeky, weird girls out there that I was auditioning for and getting those roles, but at the same time, I just was sabotaging myself, or my body was like betraying me when I went in because I would just get so nervous, I couldn't think. And so I got frustrated, and that's why I wrote the guild, and. You know, I'm having the same moments right now, going back to acting. I'm still, like, ten years later, still too nervous to audition. And I know now that I'm, I'm realizing now that I need to create my own opportunities again, or I won't actually get any roles. So every single role that you guys know me for, I was offered that role based on the work that I'd done before. And usually the Guild, and all the other videos that I made. So I think it's a good testament, like... Yes, you have to go through the main street. You should always try to go through the traditional channels, but never settle for them because the best way for you to define yourself as an artist or uh, uh, as a creator is to show people who you are. Because you don't want to wait for somebody to tell you who you are because then you're not going to be organically who you are, right? We've got time for one last question. One last middle. question. Negative four, 15 seconds right now. I think something's going to explode soon. <laughs> um, out of all the characters that you've played, which has been your favorite to play and why? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think it's like a tie between... Um, it's a tie between Codex from the Guild, because I wrote that to be a sort of autobiographical, and I, I made it happen myself, which is more gratifying than anything I've ever done. And uh, I really do... Charlie is the longest character I've ever played. Like, I've played her for, since 2012. And the fact that I feel like I belong in that world, not only on set with the actors, but in the world itself, and also within the fandom, it's been the most wonderful journey to go through. And um, I definitely, every, all my roles have meant a lot to me, but those, and also Charlie makes me a braver person because she, uh, they put her through so many things that are so tra traumatic, it makes me grow as an actor and a person whenever I play her, so yeah. Well, thanks a lot, you guys. Um, I'll be here all day, and I'll see some of you later. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Matt Rambo, it's a brilliant Felicia Day!